Hi, I'm Manika Raman-Wilms, and you're listening to The Decibel from The Globe and Mail. You've probably heard of Pierre Polyev at this point. He's a longtime MP running to be the conservative leader. Even though the leadership race is still months away from being decided, Polyev is having a moment. He seems to be resonating with angry Canadians. And he's been grabbing headlines for his support of the trucker convoy that occupied Ottawa. That's why we are gathered here today. Freedom, not fear. Truckers, not Trudeau. His rants against the Canadian housing market. Is remove the gatekeepers. Stop blocking the poor, the working class, and our immigrants from the privilege of owning a home here in this country. Used to be. And, oh yeah, that time he bought a shawarma with Bitcoin. With this Bitcoin. You ready? Then done. Oh, I got it. You got the payment. All right, we did it. Come on over here. Come on, guys, we did it. We bought the shawarma with Bitcoin. Today on the show, Globe columnist Robin Urbach is going to help us make sense of Pierre Polyev's campaign, why it's working, and if it might actually lead him to victory. This is The Decibel. Robin, it's great to have you on the podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. For listeners who may not be familiar with Pierre Polyev, can you just describe what he's like? Sure. Well, he is a guy who has been in politics basically his whole adult life. Um, He started working for Stockwell Day, the leader of the alliance, and eventually he was elected as an MP. I think he was 25 years old at that point. So he started in the backbench of the Harper government. He rose up through the ranks. He joined cabinet, and he really got a reputation of being an attack dog in the House of Commons. So almost like the bouncer for the Conservative Party when someone would lob an attack against the Conservatives. He was right out there lobbing back, raising his fists, fighting for his party in a very partisan way. And he is the one to slam the government for the SNC-Lavalin scandal or for the We scandal. Or he even still brings up Justin Trudeau wearing blackface, which drives, you know, the party crazy, but the base really loves what he does. He's really ruthless in a lot of ways, and I think he really lives up to that attack dog reputation. And what does he stand for as a politician? When we think of his politics, what comes to mind? I guess he embodies a lot of the small C conservative principles of smaller government, cutting red tape. Um, He doesn't really wade into a lot of the social issues, actually. So if we're talking about this conservative leadership race, for example, and you're someone who wants to see a leader who will roll back a woman's right to choose or will reopen the gay marriage debate, Pierre Polyev is not your guy. He's focusing a lot on finances and freedom. That's one thing that we've heard a lot from him throughout this pretty short campaign so far. He talks over and over again about how he is going to make Canada the freest country on earth. I don't know what that means. I think if you ask him, he'll give you a lot of sort of vague examples about things that are holding Canada back. I don't think Canada is 
particularly repressive on the scale of global dictatorships. But there you go. But it is something I think that has found fertile ground, certainly among a lot of people who have been dissatisfied with the way that the country has been handled throughout this pandemic. Hmm. And Pierre Polyev is, of course, running for the leadership of the Conservative Party. But this race specifically is not actually happening until September. Polyev seems to still be having a moment now. People are talking about him. So why do you think that is? I think it's two things, really. One, I think, is that the ground is fertile for a populist politician to really take root. And I think a lot of that has to do with the situation that all of us have been in for the past two years. I mean, we have been subject to changing restrictions. Now we're facing inflation like we haven't seen in years and years and years. So we've been let go of jobs, rehired, told to go home, told to come back to the office. There's so much frustration over changing mandates. And now you look around, you think, okay, well, the groceries that I paid for for a certain amount just a couple of months ago, they're so much more expensive now. And to fill up my gas tank is so much more expensive. And nobody's giving me really great answers. Of course, the answers are there if you want to look for them. But I mean, to the average person, things are not great. So I think the ground really is fertile for a populist politician like Pierre Polyev to come out and say, these gatekeepers are holding you back. I'm going to come in. I'm going to make your life more affordable. I'm going to make it so that you can feed your family or buy a house or get a better job or whatever it is that you want to do and vote for me and I'll be the one to do it. And I think the other aspect of why he has so much momentum right now is that he is a very skilled politician. And that's an insult or a compliment, depending on your view of politicians. But he talks to people. He understands what their concerns are. And he channels that into political attacks, political slogans, um, and other things that he can use for his campaign. So love him or hate him, I think you have to admit that he really knows what he's doing when it comes to rallying a crowd and talking to people. And I think he's harnessing this moment so well. Hmm. And when we're talking about harnessing this moment, you mentioned there, Robin, that, you know, everything is costing a lot more now, and we're really starting to see that. Housing is, of course, one of these things that costs us a lot of money these days. And Polyev kind of tapped into this because he posted a video about housing uh, earlier in April, and it's being widely shared. Can you just, first of all, describe what this video was that he posted? Basically, it's him standing in front of a tiny nearly $5 million house in Vancouver. I think we've all seen these houses that look like they could fall over in five minutes and it will cost you like your firstborn son to be able to buy it. And he's basically lamenting the fact that young working or middle-class people, they can't afford homes the way that um, people could 40 years ago. And I think what made this video so effective was that he was really uh, channeling and mirroring the angst of a generation that looks around and thinks, I'm never going to be able to afford a home in the neighborhood I grew up in, in the city I grew up in, or even in the province I grew up in. And it's refreshing in a way to not hear just a politician talk about these issues and throw money at it and say, oh, well, you know, it sucks for you kids that you can't afford a house. Here's a billion dollars that won't go anywhere. He's embodying that frustration. And I think when you're that frustrated about a system that you think is, is holding you down, and I think when it comes to housing, it really is um, an oppressive system for someone who wants to break in. 
I think it really resonates when you hear a politician not just talking about the issues, but really representing the emotions that come with it. And he uses the term gatekeepers in this video. Robin, what what does he mean when he's using gatekeepers? (laughs) I think a gatekeeper is whatever's in your heart and whatever's in the (laughs) blackest part of your heart. I think he's using it in this case to talk about uh, municipal officials who are uh, levying these enormous fees on developers that, that stifle development and keep cities from seeing massive sort of increase in in properties and the supply of housing, but he's used it in all sorts of different capacities. He talks about gatekeepers in business. He talks about gatekeepers uh, when it comes to climate, the gatekeepers who are advocating for carbon taxes. He talks about gatekeepers in government, the the people in government who are wasting your money or are levying new taxes or who aren't listening to you or who are rewarding their friends with contracts and things. I think it's sort of a fancy way of saying the elite, but the elite is probably something that we talked about back in 2015. This is the 2022 version of the Mm -hmm. elites. And I think it's purposefully vague because it can be whatever you, the listener, think it is. So whoever in your life you feel is holding you back or is keeping you from achieving the prosperity that you seek to have in this country, well, that's a gatekeeper. And that's the guy or the girl that Pierre Polyev is going to work to defeat. I also want to ask you about his rallies, because he has been campaigning and holding rallies here. What has that support been like on the ground for him? It's been astronomical, and I think it's surpassed what was initially thought. I think initially, a lot of people sort of looked at the numbers that Pierre Polyev was getting on social media, and he was doing really, really well. He'd post these long polemics about seemingly, you know, not that interesting stuff. He talked about monetary policy and other things that might make your eyes glaze over, but he was getting hundreds of thousands of views in a relatively short period of time. And I think the question was whether that would translate into actual bodies and seats when he starts campaigning. So he's getting these enormous crowds. They're excited in a way I don't really think that we've seen for a conservative leader or would-be conservative leader in a really long time. Hmm. How much of an indication are these crowds of, of his position in the actual race? That's really hard to say at this point. The people who are coming out to see Pierre Polyev, I mean, we've had interviews, people have talked to them, and some of them are borrowed or perhaps stolen from Maxime Bernier's People's Party. So we know that he's pulling in some new people. I think he's engaging previously disenfranchised voters who thought, well, there's no one here that really speaks to me. This guy does. I think when people hear about Polyev kind of drawing support from the People's Party, they see him embodying this populist figure, essentially. Is is he kind of like the Canadian Trump? Like, is that a fair comparison? I don't think so. I think they're both populist. But Pierre Polyev, as an individual, he is kind of bookish and nerdy. And I think he actually comes by his convictions, honestly. Um, You can hate his convictions and you can hate what he stands for, but I don't think he's putting it on. Whereas I think with Trump, he would go wherever the wind was blowing as long as people were calling his name and saying how great he was. So I think they're different in that sense. And I don't think Polyev has much interest in social issues, really. I think he is interested in financial issues and economic issues, 
He has talked a little bit about things like medical assistance in dying. He he doesn't think that mental illness, for example, should be a qualification for eligibility. But for the most part, he's not interested in those things. And I don't think we see him gunning for support by sort of selling himself out in a way that I think Trump did. The other thing is that Pierre Polyev has been really forthright about cutting red tape around immigration. So one of his big promises is that I'm going to make it so that if you are qualified to work X, Y, and Z in another country, I'm going to make it easier, faster, and more cost efficient for you to come here and be able to do that same job here in Canada. I don't think we'd ever hear something like that from Trump. He'd talk about a wall keeping out even the most qualified doctors. So he does seem to be focusing in on on young voters. Are there other ways, I guess, that he's trying to court this this group as well? Well, uh, cryptocurrency is one. Um, Cryptocurrency is not a topic that you generally hear at the bingo hall among boomers. And I'm sorry (laughs) to offend any boomers who like bingo who are listening right now. But crypto certainly is is something that he's talked about. He had a stunt, I guess, a couple of weeks ago where he went to a shawarma shop and he paid in Bitcoin. Um, he talks about it in a misleading way. Honestly, he's, he says cryptocurrency would allow people to opt out of inflation. It won't. I mean, that's ridiculous. But it's it's a way of sort of talking amongst millennial and younger voters, I think, in a way that Jean Charest, for example, is not. He's reaching out in that sort of way, along with housing and along with general affordability. And I think another thing that people often think about is he was one of the few politicians that was really quite vocal and supportive of the trucker convoy uh, that was in Ottawa for a number of weeks. And there was the offshoots of the blockades at the border, associated protests. Those upset a lot of Canadians. So will his support for that movement, will it affect his political chances, do you think? That's a tough one. I mean, Jean Charest said earlier that it would disqualify him from being a political leader, his support for illegal blockades. And I I think actually that was a bit of a misstep for Jean Charest, certainly um, in this conservative leadership campaign. I don't think it's going to hurt Pierre Polyev in the campaign. In terms of among the wider electorate, it's it's hard to make a prediction. And they say that only idiots make predictions in politics. But I have been called worse things. So I will make a prediction Please. and say that I don't actually think it's going to hurt him a couple of years down the line. Because let's say we have an election in 2023 and Pierre Polyev is the leader of the conservatives running against Justin Trudeau or maybe someone else, Krista Freeland, Anita Anand. To you and I or other observers who saw the trucker convoy as something as a real affront to our sense of decency, it it blocked borders, people were held hostage in Ottawa for weeks. I think a lot of us were rightfully upset about that. And there was a visceral reaction, I think, that a lot of us had. But a couple years down the line, I don't know that we'll have that same visceral reaction. Um, Memories fade and we'll kind of think of it like, oh, yeah, there was that that convoy for a while. That was a bad thing and kind of move on. Whereas the people who were part of the convoy or who supported the convoy, Pierre Polyev was one of the few politicians who was actually speaking to them and wasn't speaking down to them. And I think that's something that in politics people remember. 
Yeah, this idea that he's actually going beyond the conservative base is a really interesting one. Um, and it's not just anecdotal. There was actually a, an, an abacus poll that mm-hmm. came out in early April that that showed exactly that, that he was kind of crossing party lines with his appeal. Yeah, the poll showed, I think it, it pulled a few thousand people or so, um, and half of them agreed with his message in his leadership launch. But what was more interesting in that abacus poll was that there was a really sizable minority of people who are liberals, NDPers who vote for the Green Party, who also said that they agreed or strongly agreed with his message. So that's telling you, I think, that that he's reaching beyond the party base in a way that I don't think a lot of people anticipated at the outset of this campaign that he would be able to do. Polyev may have momentum now, but I guess what does that mean for his chances of actually winning the leadership race? When we're looking ahead a few months here, Robin, does it look like he's going to actually kind of maintain this frontrunner position? Historically, frontrunners haven't done too well within this party. Um, Maxime Bernier was a frontrunner a couple of years ago, and he just lost pretty narrowly, but he lost anyway. And Peter McKay was also the frontrunner in the last conservative leadership race, and that was a bit of an upset for him. Uh, I don't think Pierre Polyev is running the frontrunner campaign that Peter McKay was. McKay's campaign was more of a coasting campaign. He didn't really offer a whole lot. He was just sort of gliding his way to the leadership, and he got derailed, obviously, along the way. Pierre Polyev, I don't think he's going to do that. He's continuing to build off of that momentum, and it's it's serving him well. The challenge, of course, is that this is a, a ranked ballot voting system. So I think the the indication is that Polyev is, is really trying to win on the first ballot, which is a tough thing to do. But if he doesn't do that, he needs to be ranked down ballot for some of the members who are supporting John Charest, Patrick Brown, uh, Leslin Lewis, etc. Um, so he needs to sort of temper his attacks in a way. It's very hard to say, Jean Charest, you're a liberal, um, you shouldn't be running for the leadership of the conservatives, and then say, oh, by the way, people who are supporting Charest, maybe consider me down ballot. Um, so it, it changes the dynamics of a race um, in a way that we don't see, for example, in a general election. But I think he's going to keep going with the momentum. I think he he is seeing a lot of support. He's going to keep at it. I don't see him coasting his way to the finish line. It's not his style. Just lastly here, then, we've been talking about Polyev's chances in this leadership race. What's really important here, though, is the conservatives want to win a general election. Is Polyev the kind of candidate that could win across the country for the conservatives? I think he could. I think we're seeing indications of the broader appeal that maybe a lot of people were skeptical about. It's hard to say what the political landscape will look like in a couple of years. We don't know if Justin Trudeau is going to hang on for another round. I would say it's probably unlikely. So in that sense, Polyev is a riskier choice than, say, a Jean Charest, who is more centrist and, and certainly has that broader appeal. But maybe that's not what the country will be looking for in a couple of years. Maybe they'll want someone with really bold ideas who can channel their frustrations, their anxieties, their priorities in a way that Pierre Polyev can. He may have to shift his approach, though. I think what we've seen from Polyev, really, as long as he's been in politics, is that he is this real attack dog who will go after anyone. So even when he was in cabinet in the Harper government, he was still sort of on the offensive, right? Like the opposition would say something to him and he'd bite back twice as hard. Um, and certainly we're seeing that 
with him in the opposition benches now when the liberals are in charge, that'll have to shift a little bit if he does become the leader of the conservatives and even if he becomes prime minister, because if he is the prime minister, there's no one else to look at. You can't really blame someone else or deflect an attack the way that you can, even if you're just in cabinet in a majority government. So he might have to temper his approach a little bit. He can't be the attack dog snapping at everyone around him when he's at the top of the pile and he's the one ultimately calling the shots. Robin, it's been so great to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. That's it for today. I'm Manika Raman-Wilms. Michal Stein helped edit this episode. Our producers are Madeline White and Cheryl Sutherland. David Crosby edits the show. Kasia Mihailovich is our senior producer, and Angela Pachenza is our executive editor. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.